personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lee, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire. Grow your self-confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lieb. Hello again, friends. So we were just listening to the real estate broker owner of Realty Connect, and he was saying the big issue is being responsible for something that's implicit, something biased, that subconscious that you don't understand. So this segment, we have the expert. We brought in Elizabeth Haynes, who's a professor in the Department of Psychology. She's an expert on implicit bias. And I'm so excited to ask her questions because I finally want to understand what she's talking about. This segment has been brought to you by the Bryn Elliott team of Douglas Elliman Real Estate. If you watch the vice presidential debate, vice President Candidate Harris, the Senator Harris, she talked about implicit bias trainings that she did in 2015. I'm actually reading this article about the first of the kind training for law enforcement. She did this training titled Principled Policing, Procedural Justice and Implicit Bias. And as I was tweeting, I'm, I'm becoming a tweeterer as I was telling, I still don't know what you call that thing. But as I was <laughs> tweeting during the debate, I, I said, I'll bet you no one knows what that means. And everyone has this opinion and they go, I, I, I stupid Democrats. So they go, great, we should get diversity and people with thought, whether it's race or it's sex or. Well, I think they say stop taking it out of context. Yeah, or, or just I don't care. And so I want you to know that I found the expert because I'm a believer at the Leapcast of bringing in the experts. In fact, what I'm going to say to this expert is I want everything on the show today to assume, assume that the next president, whether it be Trump, whether it be Biden, says, you know what? I keep hearing this implicit bias. I want to have a task force headed by Dr. Elizabeth Haynes. I want this PhD, the professor of psychology, this professor at William Patterson University over at New Jersey. I want her to be in charge and I want her to make some substantive policies that are incre increase morale, increase motivation, make people happier to work and make it a better society for everyone. Because instead of fighting back and forth, I want solutions. So without further ado, I have Professor Haynes on the line. Professor, we're so thankful for you to join us and please finally tell us what implicit bias means. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, what a great intro. Um, so I'm a social scientist um, and I'm not an activist. I've been in the lab for many, many years understanding implicit bias. And implicit bias is pretty, pretty basic. It's they're just subtle, unexamined habits of thinking. They're habits of thinking that are over applied as we think, as we evaluate, as we perceive, and we make decisions. One thing that we know about thought processes is that most thought processes are happening outside your conscious awareness. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that they're unconscious. It means that they have been yet to be examined. And so if we can bring those types of thought processes, get people curious about their thinking process, then we can start to examine um, maybe those habits of thinking. And habits aren't, you know, habits are neither good nor bad, right? You know, oh, that's so important. Habits, yeah. 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 You have some good habits and you have some bad habits. And so when I go talk to organizations about implicit bias um, with Project Implicit, um, we talk about, we don't want to throw away your thinking. You're th you got, you got, you know, into this particular position at work because you're really, really, really good. You be you. Can you tell us yeah, what Project Implicit is? Yeah, sure. Project Implicit is a nonprofit organization um, developed by uh, Tony Greenwell, Mazarin Banaji, Brian Nozak, um, and is now headed by um, my other colleagues who are also social psychologists. 
um, Kate Ratliff um, being also part of that group. And what we try to do is we um, try to educate the public worldwide about implicit bias. And you can actually go to Project Implicit and take a measure or a test. I did it. I did it. Oh, you did. What I did. did. You find? So if you yeah. go to implicit.harvard.edu, again, implicit.harvard.edu. First of all, I find, I don't know if I agree with you that you said it was going to be 12 minutes. It's 12 minutes if you have the stamina to keep going. It says it's less than 12 minutes, but you, they keep flashing these different things at you, which I thought was interesting. So there would be a picture learn, and then they would tell you a word, and you had to say, you had to hit E or I and say if you thought it was good or bad. And my eyes were twitching by the time it was over. So I kept, it would say there was three different rounds of it. And then they said, do you want to go to the next round? And I, it took me like a half an hour, just maybe I was tired. But do you want to hear the good news, Lauren? It's really, yeah. I'm excited. Your data suggests no automatic preference for other religions over Judaism. That's Very what I learned. Okay, good. That doesn't mean that you won. <laughs> no, a lot of people <laughs> take the implicit bias test. No, no, no. And I have an award. I actually made my own award. And I put a certificate. Uh, you guys didn't give me one, <laughs> but I went home and I, we were talking about kids before you went on the air and I showed my kids that I got an award. <laughs> an award for taking a test. <laughs> Participation trophy. Here. So, so what we try to do at, at Project Implicit is to educate people, um, have them take some of the tests or measures to see if they maybe hold some implicit biases. And there's a lot of different tests that you can take, implicit race bias, implicit um, stereotyping bias um, regarding gender, um, uh, weight is another bias, uh, political uh, preferences and so forth. And so it's just a, a consciousness kind of raising, um, the, is it possible that you might harbor some associations some attitudes that you may not consciously express. And so here I just want to differentiate between two things. Please. That, that, that in terms of most of our thinking happens in implicit, um, automatic, we call them automatic ways, right? And that we don't really recognize, okay? So a lot of our mental life occurs outside of awareness. Like we don't even realize. And that thinking, that thinking that happens outside of awareness can actually contradict your state of belief. So we have a verbal system that says, I like, you know, I like all people equally. I don't see color, all these kinds of things. But then you can harbor associations that maybe do have a preference. You know, we are very tribal as, as, as homo sapiens. We tend to like people like ourselves. We tend to find people who are different, not, you know, threatening so much, but just different in that we just tend to overvalue um, our in-group members relative to out-group members. Okay, so I just so want to make sure I understand. Mm -hmm. What I yeah. think you're saying is that I can be telling everyone, swear up and down, that I believe men and women are equal. I believe in feminism. I believe that women should get every job in the workplace. And then implicitly, I could have this outside of my conscious, my habits of thinking. I can have myself be doing things that are counter to what I'm saying. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. And that your, your stated beliefs can contradict your implicit beliefs. Not all the time. There are certain situations that are what we call ripe for a bias. There are certain situations that tend to exacerbate it uh, when we're rushed, when we're stressed, when we're experiencing high levels of emotion, whether it be angry or happy. When we are overconfident or in positions of power, those are situations that increase the likelihood of implicit bias being expressed because we fail to understand or, and to be curious about our thought processes in those moments. So when you say those moments, is yeah. the training really how to manage those moments or is the training how to change your implicit thoughts? Or are you saying that your research is telling you otherwise that we should only care about what our stated beliefs are? Like what is, because I got to tell you, the people I know go, this is nonsense. Don't judge me for what I think. Judge me for what I do. 
Right. And that's a very valid statement. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can't hold people hostage in terms of what their thoughts are. Maybe another way to put it is, is I've been doing this research for about 25 years on stereotyping and bias. You know, my expertise is in sexism. Even though I have expertise in this area, I still cannot help but think in sexist ways because I've grown up in a culture and I continuously primed with associations between women and home and men and work. And even though I'm a working woman myself, there is a cultural thumbprint on my brain that is separate from my own attitudes that I can't really escape. And so, you know, that three and a half pound of toothpaste between our ears, we think that we have, that it's our ally, that it's always working with us. It actually isn't working with us all the time and it's not congruent and it can actually work against us in terms of you know what we specifically endorse in terms of our values and our attitudes at a conscious level and then the types of associations that we have been given from the larger social society. So let's go back to my original thought though. I I not well I should be. I should just be Emperor Andrew. Forget about this Donald and Biden. I become King Andrew for the United States or Biden or Trump listen to me and they say listen, I believe in specialization of labor. Elizabeth is Dr. Haynes, she's a psychologist. She studies sex stereotyping. We have a sex stereotyping problem. Trump even said so. He has an executive order on combating race and sex stereotyping. He put that out there. And so they point you. They say you're in charge. Do you tell me that people should be responsible for their implicit beliefs or not? Absolutely. So yeah, you have... Yeah, absolutely. You you have you have a um, just like we're responsible to keep ourselves healthy and take care of our children and all these kinds of things that you have a responsibility to to think about your thinking. You know, we talked a little bit earlier, you know, we're all kind of cognitive misers. Uh, we're, we're we don't want to expend any kind of mental effort unless we have to. However, you know, in order to you're and most people are really good, efficient, you know, thoughtful people. But could they be better? Well, yes. I can't be better, but everyone else. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. She's a psychologist. She's probably like sociopath. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> like, this is fun. Like, Lauren and her are going to talk after we get off, and she, Lauren's going to get the lowdown of all of I'm my issues in life. Lauren oh. gives, you should see her notepad. Uh, like, Elizabeth, you don't even know. She's putting notes of different things. She's diagnosed me from WebMD already, and she's going to check if it's <laughs> correct. So back to you, though, because I want to understand this. So the fact is that we're telling you that you should be responsible for your implicit bias. Now, the question is, well, should there be the same degree of responsibility for what you stated to do, your explicit bias, your actions, as opposed to what you implicitly believe? Meaning, are we a society that's going to hold people accountable for just what they believe or for their actions? And if we're going to do both, should they be at the same level or different levels? Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that lawyer thing lot, I do, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, people should be aware of their implicit biases, but it's okay. a lot like, you know, your pancreas. Can you control, you know, how your pan pancreas kind of delivers the, the types of regulations? Do you know that was body? our last yeah. defense at trial? We said it was the pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I agree with what you're saying. So your point yeah. is that we shouldn't be as responsible. We should be responsible for being conscious of our implicit biases to change them. So when we look in a micro or small microcosm, your actions speak louder than your thoughts. But when you think over time, when we talk about the macro of decades and society and progression, implicit bias becomes really important because it creates the society of tomorrow. Is that kind of what we're getting at? Well, 
I mean, the cumulative uh, effect of a lot of little small implicit biases definitely have consequential um, outcomes for people. You know, the fact that, you know, women, for example, are seen as not suited for leadership. And so the way that you evaluate any particular woman as being congruent with power and authority um, can be really problematic for the amount of women that we have in leadership positions and in uh, heads of state and so forth. So um, it's not it's not any one person's, you know, bias. It's the cumulative effect. Interesting. I should have thought about that, Lauren, yeah. when I just appointed Elizabeth as the leader of this whole program. Because, uh, but I think you should be the leader. So t- you just told me then an example, and you just so I want to do more of these because make it tangible. Yeah. But you said That's that right. women aren't considered to be the leaders to a lot of people. They have this bias. Right. So in hiring, in promotions, it could be a problem. And for a company, whether it's owned by a man or a woman or a group of people, that's counterproductive to the exact company. So what other types of implicit biases do you think that would pop off the page for people to understand when they're sitting at home having their coffee listening to us? Yeah. So and I just want to just really underline that point that, that it's actually counterproductive for organizations to have these particular biases because in the war for talent, when you really want to leverage and get the best out of your leadership, I mean, why, why, you know, disregard any particular woman for, you know, not, you know, having what it takes, you know? Um, so there's also other kind of very subtle biases. Um, benevolent sexism, for example, is a, another one. So a lot of the implicit bias that happens for, for women at work is done in a protective paternalistic like way. We didn't want to give you that promotion because it required travel and we want you to be a good parent to your young ones Interesting. Yeah. So those kinds of statements are really subtle and very pervasive within organizations that keep women. So it's, it's the decision making is outside of the, the, um, the that particular employee's uh, purview and it's taken into a paternalistic, you know, manager knows best regarding what is best for that woman. And it's in protection of things like women are the best caretakers for their children and that they don't have other resources or other people that could help out. Um, most women work because they have to, not because they want to. And so the assumption that women work to have extra pin money for vacations or other things is really just an inaccurate description of why women work. But there is, I think, some outdated um, ideas that oftentimes implicitly get into people's rationale and thinking regarding what's best for women in the workplace. Tackle um, what you say, though. I don't know anyone that works that just for the hell of it or for pin money, right. whether it be men or women. Like, I got to tell you, I'd be a great retiree. So, like, I, I could... <laughs> I could do it every day. Like I would be so good at being retired. I could go fishing. I could nap. I could watch TV. Yeah, so I'm, I'm totally with you. Now, I will put my lawyer hat on here and tell you that, I don't know if you've seen, but New York State lowered the standard for discrimination, sex discrimination for what's called a hostile work environment. And while I'm listening you speak, they lowered it last year from saying it had to be severe and pervasive just to be inferior terms and conditions. And so what I'm, or treated differently than someone else. And when I'm hearing this benevolent sexism, I'm I'm saying to myself, someone's going to get sued if they don't listen to Elizabeth. And so maybe you don't care. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're going, stupid, stupid, don't care, don't care. I have my sandwich, big words. But when you get sued, you'll care. So let's talk more to Elizabeth and understand, here's what I want to know. What should we do about it? Is it just training? Is there, and we had our, our expert on a little while ago before you on, who's a real estate broker. We're having you as the, the researcher, the lab, the person that knows this in and out, the PhD. And we had someone in function talking about as a real estate broker. And he said, his issue is this. Everyone has habits of thinking like you're saying or, un, or outside of consciousness, unconscious thoughts. But how do you know which thoughts are okay and which thoughts are not okay? Where do we get a list? 
<laughs> you, you want concrete, actionable like things. You seven know? words. That's what he said. He wants like a seven <laughs> dirty words. Like, ha, ha, because what he's afraid of is everyone has this thought, and I use this example. I go home, and I'm going to give it again. I go home, and Lauren and I are married. And I go home, and I come from Costco. And I say, Lauren, come help me bring the stuff in. And she goes, you're a strong man. You carry all the water in. And I say, that's an unconscious bias. I'm not. You use the Peloton every day. I don't. I yeah, say, but you I say you are physically stronger. I will not take that back. So the question becomes, when is that bad and when is that good? And as a society, wouldn't the first statement be beyond being conscious of our unconscious biases, knowing as a society where our benchmarks are, our beacons to know where we should be shooting for those biases to become? Well, just, you know, in terms of your example, what it makes me think of is that we, we all, you know, the implicit biases operate in terms of how we perceive other people, but it also involves a lot of self-stereotyping, too. I mean, it is true that men have, you know, you know, greater upper body strength than women, but does that mean that women can't carry stuff or do things on their own? So the extent to which it, like, undermines, it undermines your ability to engage in, in all behaviors. So, you know, another way to think about it is this. You know, women are, are supposed to focus on love and men are supposed to focus on work, and that leaves us all really lopsided because we take on a lot of the stereotypes ourselves. And so, you know, we, we kind of, we atrophy on that other dimension, but in, I mean, as a psychologist, we know this, that in order to be authentic, in order to be, you know, um, you know, realize your full potential, you need the love and you need meaningful work. And the extent to which these can imprison people in terms of what their motivation is or like whether they can carry things, you know, um, and it does create some dependencies for both men and for women, you know, women depend on men to, um, uh, to carry heavy things and be protective and men um, depend on women to take care of things and do all their social engagements, you know, so, but it, I mean, it works because it's labor effective, but it also can lead us to be um, lopsided as well. So, but, you know, you asked about like, what are the things that you can do? Yeah. Um, let, let's get back to that. Yeah. Um, because let's assume that Camilla Harris becomes a VP and she's pushing these implicit bias trainings like she did over and uh, like she did over in California. And let's assume, I think the people want to know they own a business, they work at a business. What are they going to be seeing in the future, assuming the Democrats become in charge? Yeah, well, one of the things is not all, not all implicit bias training is the same. Um, I'm not an activist. I'm a scientist. And so I come from a, a tradition that actually thinks about it's really about decision making. How do you perceive, evaluate, judge and make decisions? And we mostly do it well. Um, and but we oftentimes have these byproducts of our normal thinking process that uh, kind of seep in, and we jump to conclusions. For example, we don't take a second look. You know, we just that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a really common problem. Yeah, uh, we tend to prefer people who are like us versus people who are different, and it's not you know that part that in-group bias. That's not about hatred towards people who are different. It's an overvaluing of people who are like us. So interesting you say that because we've been saying for a while that I don't know how, how familiar are this, but racial steering and housing is something that a broker could get sued for, for discrimination, where they say, right. you should live here, not there. But we say the counter, kind of like you're saying, what happens if you are Italian and you want to live in Little Italy? Why can't you have what you want? I get from the negative, from the broker to say, you're Italian, you can't go live in Chinatown. I get how that's discriminatory. But why can't the Italian guy who wants to be with Italian people because of his implicit bias where he feels more comfortable, why can't he have that? And so I, I, I question well, that often. Well, well, just like we talked about before, is that who's making the decision? Is it the broker making the decision about where the person or is, exactly. it the, is, is the other person? So, you know, it's different when the broker is making assumptions, oftentimes from a benevolent, helpful place. So true. 
they want that person to be happy, but they're making assumptions about in-group similarity um, that may not be in the mind of the person who is coming to them for um, for seeking housing. And so that that is the assumptions, that's the implicit bias that is problematic under that particular situation. Um, I think that everyone wants to know how to combat that. Yeah, so, so is, it, is it just we have to all do yoga because you said my stressors make worse things? And I have to tell you before this, I'm not flexible, so it's going to have to be like, <laughs> Uh, light yoga. <laughs> well, you you have to not assume that your standpoint or that your perspective is the only thing that's real. You know, so there's your, your story. There's 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 my story, and then there's the truth. And one thing that we know from from implicit bias is that we experience life as as if our perspective is the only real one that exists, when in fact, other people have different ways of looking at reality. And so being curious about other people's perspectives without being threatened by them, you know, soliciting feedback from people who are different from you, seek out disconfirming evidence, don't jump to conclusions, you know, just because you believe something to be true. Is it also possible that, you know, other information is out there that disconfirms your beliefs? You know, so this is what I, what, what I do in, in my implicit bias training. We, we, talk, we take it out of the hands of not only about groups and race and gender, and we talk about how you perceive people, how you think about the world at a very kind of curious, I call it a thinking audit, actually. We do a thinking audit, you know? Um, And so we just kind of, like, what are the basic ways in which you come to make conclusions about reality? Well, you know, some of those ways are efficient and they're fast, and especially in organizations where there's a bias to action. You know, those things are rewarded, but is that really the best way to make a decision? Our research says no. You know, that actually there are some things you can say, take a second look, um, you know, think about something that looks risky is that maybe a, a place for new opportunities. You know, so this is we're going to put it in the back uh, in um, in race and gender. So, you know, hiring someone of a different gender or of a different race that's typically in that position. That feels risky to us. That's change. That's, you know, humans don't like that. Well, what are the what are the benefits of that? You know, maybe um, we do know that when we have people who are different in decision making, we tend to make better decisions. So I'm just thinking we're running out of time and I just have one big question that I would love your opinion Are the bias trainings racist? Yeah, because Trump said the bias trainings are racist. I heard Trump tell us that. And I know that you're telling us to find the truth, but I watch movies and I know you can't handle the truth. <laughs> no, I, no. It, it, I mean, there's so what Trump appears to be doing, and I read his his order, is that he's assuming that all implicit bias training is the same. Um, I come from a scientific background. Um, I don't, you know, I'm about evidence. You know, I'm not here to push an agenda, but I do. And my my whole goal is to use the scientific evidence and leverage it so we can get people to be curious about their thought processes. Um, there's no inherent race statement in anything that I do, except that we talk about, hey, these are how your thought processes, you know, in-group bias or risk aversion or standpoint or um, expedience can, can make you um, think in ways that are incomplete. So I have to say that this has been so delightful to hear from Dr. Elizabeth Haynes. And what I'm hearing is that it's not just all about you. We have to get outside of ourselves and realize that while we may believe something, we may not think something, we may think something. If you want to handle the truth, you have to think that other people think other things. And if you're a good person, if you're an employer that wants everyone to be motivated, if you're the president, the next president, and you want a great country, 
What you need to do is you have to realize that we have these implicit biases that might be different from our stated beliefs. And what you have to realize is you have to be in control of your implicit biases, not be stressed out. And you have to say to yourself, you know what? How do I do on to my neighbor as I want my neighbor to do on to me? Thank you so much for being with us. This has been the Leapcast. Thank you for having me. We'll be back next week. And for more segments, go to listentoleap.com or visit us on social media at Listen to Leap. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lieb. Find us on social media at Listen to Leap or visit listentoleap.com.